In ranching, it's easy to manage what we can easily see. But what about things that aren't so easy to see, like soil health? Agroecologist and author Nicole Masters joins me as we discuss soil health through good management practices, why it's profitable, and ways to determine if your soil is sick and tired on this episode of the Working Ranch Podcast. Welcome to this week's episode of the Working Ranch Podcast. Thank you for joining us. By the way, be sure to click on the follow button on your podcast provider. Therefore, you will be notified every time we send out an episode. These do come out weekly as we try to cover topics or issues that are relevant to those of us in ranching or interested in ranching or the cowboy lifestyle. I really try to go in depth on topics. So to provide you more than just information, really, it's my goal to be for it to be very educational for you. So, you know, I I myself, I'm a rancher here in northeast Wyoming. So many of the topics that we cover are things that I think are very applicable really to any size of rancher and from anywhere in the country. So with that said, our topic for this episode is about a subject that I absolutely believe is relevant to any and all of us in ranching, and that is the health of our soil and our role in being good stewards of that land so that it is productive and in turn allows us to be profitable. So as I said at the top of the show, Nicole Masters, she will be joining me later in this episode. The Working Ranch Podcast is brought to you by Working Ranch Magazine. Now, in case you missed last week's episode, the Captain Tim O'Byrne shared with us some exciting news about the Working Ranch Expo. That's going to be held during this year's, this upcoming year's National Finals Rodeo in Las Vegas, Nevada. Everyone here at Working Ranch is very excited about this. We hope you'll join it. Put it on your calendar. It'll be the NFR by night, Working Ranch Expo by day, throwing the Cowboy Christmas in the hall right next door. I'll tell you, folks, it's a perfect trifecta. It's the Working Ranch Expo December 8th through the 10th during the NFR in the same building there as Cowboy Christmas. And if you'd like to exhibit or you want to plan on attending, you can find out more information at workingranchmag.com. Well, a big thank you to our sponsors for this episode of the Working Ranch Podcast, the American Simmental Association. You know, there was a survey done that showed the growth in different breeds of bulls sourced by commercial producers between 2014 and 2020. Did you know the largest growth in bull breed type during that time, it was bulls with Sim Genetics, there you go, with Simmental Genetics in them. Heterosis works, which is why with Simmental, it's more per head period. Find out more at org. Other sponsors include the American Hereford Association and the North American Limousine Foundation. Well, right now, we're going to check in with the Captain Tim O'Byrne, publisher and editor of Working Ranch Magazine for Tim's Two Cents. Hey, Justin. Hey, podcast listeners. Hope you didn't get hit too hard by that blizzard here a couple of days ago. That was a nasty one. Coming up on tax time, Justin, wouldn't it be great to have a drop-down menu where you could just say, hey, I want to put my money there, and I want to put it over there, but I do not want to put it down here. I know that's not going to happen. Tell you what, folks, I want you to go to our Facebook page. Uh, Check out the March 8th post that we did. It's uh, WyoTech. 
All right, so Wheatland Wyoming rancher and businessman Jim Mathis purchased WildTech Technical Training in 2018. It's a top-notch training school that generates career-ready graduates for the growing demand for mechanics in the automotive and diesel industry. And I'll tell you what, that is a growing demand. It is an awesome career choice. I know a couple of buddies of mine, their sons have chosen that, and they're they're making good money. They're always working. And I want you guys to check out this great video. It's on the March 8th post of our Facebook page. Justin, back to you. Well, thanks, Captain. And I can tell you, coming from a degree in ag education and vocational teaching myself, I believe, without a doubt, one of the best returns on investments for some of these kids when it comes to post-high school education is through a vocational school, much like the example the captain talked about right here with WyoTech. Go ahead and check them out. Well, don't go away. When we come back, Nicole Masters joining us as we talk about soil health. Starting off in the right direction is essential to gaining an advantage later when you go to market your calves. And I have proof that the right direction is with Sim Angus Sired Calves. A 2020 study by K-State showed that Sim Angus Sired Steer Calves earn more at sale time than all other breed identified sire groups with at least 50 lots represented on Superior Livestock's 2020 summer sales. The proof's right there. For low-risk, high-potential calves with earning potential, be confident that Sim Genetics will give you more per head, period. Stand strong, Simmental. Welcome back to the Working Ranch Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Mills. Now, in the previous segment, I mentioned about the Working Ranch Expo that's going to be held during this year's NFR in Las Vegas. Now, here's the deal. It reminded me about a saying you've probably heard in regards to how to double your money when you're in Las Vegas, and that is to fold it over, put it back in your pocket. Well, let's tie that train of thought here. If you'll hang with me just for a bit, let's tie that train of thought, which is taking what you have, then managing it better to get more out of it into our subject for this episode of soil health and soil management. And have you heard someone say the cheapest ranch you can buy today is the one you already have or running on through management practices like proper grazing, water development, cross fencing, just to name a few, but practices that encourages your soil to respond in such a way that it maximizes production and productivity. Now, if you go back and listen to episode 12, entitled, Are Ranching and Profit Contradicting Terms with Dallas Mount, owner of Ranch Management Consultants, one of the ways to increase profitability is to increase production. So oftentimes in ranching, that leads people to believe that you go and you buy another place. However, I'll tell you, have you seen the price of land out there? There are not very many ranches that can be bought and solely paid for from the income generated off the agricultural production or other entrepreneurial enterprises of that land. But if you took the land you already have and invest, let's say, $50 an acre to make improvements that could eventually generate 50% more in production, now, doesn't that seem like a better deal? So all of that to lay a foundation of why our subject on this episode is important to ranching. Quite literally, it starts from the ground up, or rather under the ground, and goes up. So with that, I'm pleased to have Nicole Masters joining me on this episode of the Working Ranch Podcast. I've heard so much about you, Nicole, and I want to thank you for joining us today on this topic of soil management that you've become 
a very highly sought after consultant to many in the ranching industry. But Nicole, my first instinct, of course, is to jump right into questions on this topic of soil management because there is a lot to talk about. But before we go there, can you first tell us about you? I realize there's been some that have heard of you, maybe even attended some of your meetings where you've presented at, but tell us about you and essentially what your business is. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Justin. Um, So yeah, I'm an agroecologist, which means I'm someone that looks at ranching systems in terms of an ecological framework. So how do these different things interact? So my company, Integrity Soils, is based in New Zealand, which is my accent, um, and also in Australia. (laughs) Uh, I have a bunch of amazing coaches over in Australia and New Zealand. Um, But I base myself predominantly here in the US and more exclusively in Montana. So I've done a lot more workshops and events and worked with people in Montana than I have probably anywhere else in the last five years. The focus on soil management in the last 20, 30 years has really started to increase. And I don't know if that's Mm -hmm. just because it's a little harder to buy land than it used to be about 30, 40, 50 years ago. So we're having to, we're having to really focus on being good stewards of the land so that it can be productive. So let's jump right into the basics of essentially what you're able to bring when you sit down with a rancher about their operation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think you make a really good point there. I mean, it feels like it's been a long time coming for soil to kind of catch on. Um, You know, I did my degree 25 years ago and, um, and, and was so lit up about soil because everything that we're concerned about, if it comes down to finances or resilience or animal performance and health or crop production, you know, all of this comes back down to soil health. And so for me, working with people one-on-one, um, you know, we're really going out into the field and, and thinking about what are, what are those things that would make such a big difference that would be worth investing in soil health um, because there has been this disconnect. And I think you know, I work with some of the best grass producers in the world and for so long they were just looking above ground and kind of forgetting that there's a, you know, you're neglecting the whole other half of the plant, which is all beneath the ground. So when I go out with people, we, you know, we're digging holes, we're really looking at, you know, is there any limitation to root penetration? How deep are those roots going? Is water moving down through that profile? And there's some pretty terrifying stuff happening in Montana in terms of very shallow rooting systems, a lot of open ground and soils that are starting to become water repellent. So we're actually seeing the beginning steps of desertification on many ranches and it's going on unseen for a lot of ranches, which is which is really scary. And then we end up in a situation where suddenly it gets so big and so unmanageable. Um, and you can look to Australia as an example of this. Um, that it becomes so overwhelming to make any changes. So I'm really excited that people are starting to ask these questions about soil now. In your workshops, you dig a line out with a backhoe that reveals a cross-section of what's below the surface. What are you able to show with that exposure? Yeah, it it can be quite impactful um, because I I think every ranch values water. You know, we understand the value of water. We understand that we really need rainfall, um, but we don't really necessarily understand how does what happens to that water when it lands on the surface, you know? So we want to look at, is there really good aggregates? So those are the crumbs, you know, and it should look like beautiful um, fluffy chocolate cake or Gabe Brown talks about, you know, um, brown cottage cheese, you know, that kind of structure, because that is where water can slowly percolate and move through that um, soil system. 
But that also means that, you know, so the water is being soaked in like a sponge, but it also means that that water is then slower to evaporate or leave that soil system. So aggregation and crumb structure would be one thing we look at. Mm-hmm. Um, if we've got some perennial grasses in there, we can really look at what's the difference between a perennial root system compared to, say, cheatgrass or an- annual grasses, you know, and they say that when the um, when these grasslands were first broken open, you know, people came in with the plow, you could hear from a mile away the sound of those roots breaking because it sounded like someone cracking a bullwhip. Um, and and I, it's so hard to even imagine now because when you dig holes, what you find are these very sparse roots and not a lot of root penetration at all. And it's like, no wonder we dry out really, really fast. You know, what are we doing to our ecosystems that mean that we've suddenly become so vulnerable? Mm-hmm. One of the things when we do get moisture and we get a lot of rain in a one in a period of time, like a thirty minute period, and you maybe get an inch of rain, um, mm-hmm. a lot of guys look at that and say, "Great, man, that's great. Look at it, it's filled the reservoirs." Yeah. And, and when I say that, what's your thoughts? No, I'm like, "Oh my god, that's not a good thing. It's not a good thing." Yeah, <laughs> I, and I hear it a lot, especially when I'm in Australia. You know, people get super excited because you know we've got a drought breaking rainfall, and it's. It's all filled the dams and it's like it shouldn't be rushing across your landscape like it should just disappear you know and good healthy soils can absorb like 18 inches in an hour and yet we're in this situation where we can have flash floods when you've had maybe four inches like suddenly there's all this excess water because it's not being absorbed and it's not being you know drawn down into the into the soil so yeah we, we'd never want to see uh, water sitting around um, we want to be able to drive vehicles out there, you know, a day after you might've had 10 inches of rainfall and you can still get out there in a vehicle is a really good sign that, um, that sponge is working. So let's talk about some of the soil management practices that you visit with folks about and ways that they can improve some profitability in their operation. Mm-hmm. So really grazing is your number one tool. And, and so I really advocate for people to go to some of the excellent grazing schools that are run in this country around adaptive managed grazing or managed intensive grazing or holistic managed grazing, however you want to frame it. But the idea behind this grazing is to how do we, how do we replicate how the bison would have moved across this landscape? So fairly heavy impact and then long recoveries, you know, and I think we underestimate how long that recovery would be. But if we look at how effective a lot of our grazing is, um, and they've done this work here in the U.S., is you know, if you have really large pasture sizes, like say you've got a thousand acres, and for some of you, you might be like, that's not very large. <laughs> if you look at how effective grazing is actually getting out of that, those animals might only be covering, say, 30 to 40% of that entire area. So effectively, we're wasting 60% that an animal will never put a foot on it. And as a consequence of that is where we start to see the encroachment of more sagebrush or the woody type species because they're telling us that that landscape's not getting enough impact. And then we see things like cheatgrass or ventanata grass or medusa head are all telling us that we've been over overgrazing these landscapes and not allowing um, adequate recovery. So, <clears throat> you know, for me, it's really building that, thinking about how is it that grasslands operate? Um, what is it that the soil needs? You know, we really need to be feeding that soil and we feed it by trampling material and with uh, urine and manure. You know, that's what switches soils on. People that are listening to this are going to be coming from different areas of the country. I mean, some have different soil types. So how do they go about finding what does a healthy soil look like in my area? 
Mm. And it's a really good question. And I think what you'll find is nobody knows anymore because <laughs> these landscapes have been degraded mm. for, um, you know, at least 120 years, if not a couple of hundred years. Um, certainly since we've seen changes with the dynamics of bison. Um, so it's really, really hard to even get a sense of, you know, what would really healthy soil look like? And that's why to see examples, um, like more extreme examples where people have really turned their soils around gives you an inspiration to, hey, actually this guy's in a six-inch rainfall and <clears throat> he's managed to grow a tall grass grazing system, has massively increased his production, Um and has done that on, let's say, sandy soil. Like it's worthwhile going and seeing people who maybe aren't your neighbours because mm -hmm. it can actually often be quite hard to tell. I always say go back to like the earliest written accounts that you can find for your local area, and they'll often be like um, the cavalry or it might have been Lewis and Clark mm -hmm. um, who wrote down what was it that they saw. You know, the grass was as tall as the back of a, you know, you know, we could tie it over the back of the horse. Um you know, and I go into areas where those accounts were and now you walk through and it'll be club moss and, the you know, a blade of grass over there and a blade of grass here. And it's like, okay, <laughs> I can double your production. There's things that we can do here. Um, and, and it goes back to thinking, you know, what were these landscapes before? And maybe for some of you, they were forested areas and you're trying to put that into grassland. And it's like, you can do that, um, but you're you're pushing a little bit against what is that climactic tendency. So it might be an area that does want to tend to forest or scrub. And so then it's about making sure that we are getting enough animal impact so that it doesn't start to revert back to forest. We'll stay here. We have much more with Nicole Masters. And if you're like me, you hear all of this and then you start to wonder, man, how do I even start? Well, we're going to talk about that next. If you could do something today that would bring you profit tomorrow, would you do it? In the cattle business, it's about efficiency. And with Limousine Genetics in your herd, your profit is just one calf crop away. With Limousine or Limflex cattle, it's more pounds naturally to sell at weaning. It's growth and feed efficiency with the added benefit of carcass merit. The other side of the profit coin with Limousine Genetics is the maternal efficiency, docility, and longevity of your cows and bulls. It's as simple as Limousine Today, Profit Tomorrow. Welcome back to the Working Ranch Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Mills. Thank you for joining us again here on this episode as we've been focusing on soil health, soil management. And our guest is Nicole Masters who's an ecologist, author, consultant to ranchers about this very subject. And Nicole, I've attended several workshops or meetings the last several of years that have been focused on educating those of us in agriculture about how to manage what's below the surface. And the feeling that I get is that everyone leaves the meeting, they're sold on the fact that they need to manage this soil. They want to see improved production. They want to see healthy mm -hmm. soils but they don't know where to start. And I, and as we were talking previously, that's kind of where I'm at. I'm like, I mean, this, this conversation with you is not just for those that listen to our podcast, but it's as much for me because I'll tell you, Nicole, I, sometimes I know it's important and I'm, and I'm doing intensive grazing, some of those kind of practices doing something, but mm -hmm. I, I just don't know where to start. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a really good point. And I think it can seem very daunting. It's like, here's this elephant, go and eat it. So how do you eat it? One bite at a time. So we're going to look at, um, you know, starting perhaps, and this is interesting, you know, often when I start with people, they give, when they want to do a trial, they always give me their worst land um, 
I, I think they do it out of spite. But um, what I would actually choose is some of your best productive ground and focus in on the areas where you, you can actually measure it and monitor it closer into the ranch house. And so we might start just with 100 acres, just, just trial this heavier impact. Or, um, you know, people that know me well know I'm a big fan of um, worm extracts. So they're made from vermicast or worm castings, worm compost. Mm-hmm. Um, so small amounts of that to actually start um, changing the underground signaling so we start to see a change above ground. And so this is why monitoring and benchmarking is so important. So even just to go out and do an assessment for yourself, dig some holes, take a look at where am I currently at. And um, so I, I actually published a book um, in October 2019 and, and in there, so it's called For the Love of Soil, but it goes through that triage of where is it that you need where would be the best place to start? Because there's no point starting with, um, I don't know, bringing in helicopters and doing some something really expensive. Um, or, you know, I see people who might have huge pasture sizes, like let's say you have a 60,000 acre pasture, and I was in one of those recently. You could spend a fortune just splitting that into four and putting in more water and still find it actually doesn't make a difference. Like that doesn't impact enough on your, on your profit margin. Mm-hmm. And you just, all this money so that's why i think it's important just to start close by and gradually spread that out um i have a client where you know we really increased the quality the relative feed quality and the amount of hay that he was cutting and so then he could use that money to invest into um increasing the quality of his rangeland so paying it forward basically so start to see those improvements um yeah where, where maybe it's paying you back and maybe it's um um you've got some finishing fields or maybe you just want to get some fattened calves off. Then these will be the fields that you're going to put those guys on um, and, and just, yeah, get it to pay forward. In an effort to rejuvenate some ground and try to improve grazing, let's say we have some ground that's real brushy, terribly uneven. Do you ever see the need for someone to be real abrupt and do something like farm up the ground, run a plow over it, maybe level it a bit? Is that something you'd recommend? Probably never see the need to like farm it up but there needs to be some kind of interruption. And so that interruption could be like a root rake or, a, you know, those big sagebrush things that they drag and hauls everything out, you know, because a lot of this landscape was fire um, mediated. I mean, if we're looking at where most of the rangeland is, there was always a history of fire. Um, and, and so a lot of these grasses are actually adapted to fire, but the sagebrush and, um, you know, uh, mesquite and things like that they're not they're not adapted to fire that's too big a disturbance for them um yeah and if you think about like where your branding corrals and stuff are you'll never find sagebrush growing in that right because it's that Mm -hmm. impact that they don't like they really don't like someone treading all over them um so i there's very rarely i'd be like oh yeah we should come in and moldboard plow this sucker um <laughs> and I can think of my lifetime, there's probably two occasions that I could think of that. And those were fields that had been overgrazed by like sheep for like 120 years and then really badly irrigated and then cut for hay and just, you know, soils that were totally destroyed. That would be the one time I'd be, hey, let's just flip the soil upside down and because you're starting from zero at that point. Um but otherwise, I think this animals are such a great tool, you know, rolling bales out on top of the scrubby, sagey, depends what it is. You know, if it is mesquite, that's going to be a little bit trickier. Um, but yeah, there, there's ways to use animals to really beat it up. 
one of the things I can hear somebody ask this question or they're hearing this and they're saying, you know what, I just don't have the time to manage my livestock that way. How do you, how do you answer that question? Well, it, again, it comes back to what do you care about? What do you want to see? Like, do you want to pass something on to future generations? Do you want to really feel proud about the fact that you're a steward? And do you want to actually make some money? Because those actions, taking those actions to, yep, maybe you are going to have to move. We're not talking about moving animals five times a day, by the way. Like, I, I haven't really seen that stack up. Um, but even moving animals, you know, every three or four days, there is technology coming in now too, like the e-shepherd, you know, the um, the collars, mm-hmm. so they can actually control animals' movements and, and get that impact um, or get that release, you know, maybe when you're calving or you don't want to have animals really restricted um, or you're, you're really watching that plane of nutrition or weight gains. You know, there's always this dance, like there's a, there's a dance between weight gains and, and profitability too. Like mm-hmm. we don't just – and I've seen people do this. They get really excited about soil health. And they forget that you're still in business, right? Mm-hmm. So you don't want to go and put like all your eggs into one basket and go, all right, I'm going to really concentrate. I'm going to get a million pounds an acre and I'm going to really beat these fields up. And meanwhile, you're just losing animal performance. Um, and that's kind of my driver is like, how do we how do we Im- increase the, the quality of the forage that we're growing um, and the resilience so that we can stay green longer in the season? Um, we can be the first ones to green up. Um, how do we yeah, really enhance that while still making sure that we're profitable? But, you know, I think I, you know, people are really busy. Um, but I also think this idea of time, in some ways it's a story that we tell ourselves that like we don't have time to do this and that. And then you go and watch people, what people do have time for and just go, oh, really? <laughs> Where are your priorities right now? And so it's just a shift um, in terms of, yeah, like really aligning your actions with what you're committed to. And I think most people want want to see their land in better shape and want to hand something on to future generations. And so it's just finding ways to do this so it's not going to really break the bank. And I think, unfortunately, a lot of ranchers and certainly farmers are dealing with high levels of stress. And that stress makes it really hard to even contemplate taking on a new action. Um, and that's that's part of where my company Integrity Soils comes from is in terms of let's think about what is actually currently manageable for where you're at right now. And then what are some of these stresses that are actually reducing your ability to, to really change? Cause I think a lot of people know that there's other things that are possible. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. It's just, they get stopped by stress and lack of time or concerns. And I get it. Mm-hmm. Two things here. Now, if, if someone were to walk onto a piece of ground, what are some things that we should be seeing if we have healthy and productive soil? And and let's talk about above ground first. Yeah. Um, so certainly manure is one of the first things that my eye will often go to. So sounds terrible, doesn't it? <laughs> um, you know, so what, what does that cow pat look like? You, you know, it's a pretty good indicator for rumen function and then how effective um, that feed resources is, is being made. And then, what kind of insects are feeding on it? Are we seeing a huge diversity? Are we seeing huge numbers of, say, dung beetles? Are we seeing the parasitic yellow flies? Um, you know, is that cow pack just alive, you know, and is it breaking down really, really fast? Um, we did some sampling in Montana and measured over 700 dung beetles in one cow pack. So you can have the 
hugely alive systems and then that very quickly is being turned into a resource then to grow more grass as opposed to you go to many ranches and those cow patties just sit there for years. Um, so yeah, that's one indicator. I want to see a huge amount of diversity. I want to see forbs. I want to see legumes in that sward. I want those plants to be healthy. Um, I'm sure none of your listeners has dealt with this, but grasshoppers. If you guys have had an absolute grasshopper plague, not looking at anybody, um, that's a pretty good indicator that those plants are really stressed, right? Mm-hmm. And part of that reason, we're not seeing that root penetration. We're not building organic matter. We're not building water holding capacity. And the microbial system's broken down. So that means uh, your plants don't get adequate trace elements because it's your microbial population that is what mediates, just like in our own gut, uh, you don't actually eat food. It's your microbiome, your bacteria, your fungi, different organisms in your gut that are eating eating food. And it's the same in the plant. So mm-hmm. often like the plant's stomach is outside of its body. So if that's compromised, then that's going to compromise the uptake of nutrients into the plant. And then we're going to see things like grasshoppers. Um, <clears throat> so we're seeing increasing stresses right across the world right now. Um from not keeping our eye on soil health and not really looking at building resilience. So, yeah, insect attack would be um, definitely another one. Um, Diversity, uh, that plants look healthy, have a good colour to them. You know, we see a lot of phosphorus stress in plants. And, um, yeah, like in Montana and Wyoming and Colorado, you see almost that purpling colour that's telling you those plants aren't getting adequate phosphorus. Um, And then not even looking at, at the plants, but looking at your livestock. So... Have they got a beautiful shiny coat? Do they shed that coat very quickly? Have they got nice moist noses? So if they have dry noses, it's telling you that they're not getting adequate sodium. Um, mm. so there's a whole lot of trace elements that will show up in livestock. You know, are they covered in lice? Um, are they attracting flies? Um, have they got scabs on their teats? Have they got hoof problems? These are all pointing to there's an issue going on underground. Like it all relates to soil health. Now let's go into the pasture with a shovel and we'll dig a hole. What should we be seeing there? I want to see these massive, big, what I call the Rastafarian roots. So huge, big dreadlocks that extend as deep down as you can dig that we're seeing roots. And we want to see different types of root architecture. So some might be tap roots, some might be, you know, shallower fibrous roots. Some might be these massive, big mats that you'll get from um, many of the perennial grasses. So I want to see, yeah, really dense, deep um, root systems with these dreadlocks. So we call them the Rastafarian roots because they look like dreadlocks and you won't even be able to actually see the roots themselves because they're totally covered in um, in soil material. And then that is your buffer against um, temperature fluctuations. That's a buffer against aluminum. That's a buffer against sodium um, and pH. So the pH can actually be two units different inside that, that Rasta root or Officially, it's called a rhizosheath. Um, and so that means that that plant's actually able to defend itself against whatever it might be facing. So we see increased resilience as we build these um, sheaths. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to see that no compaction zone. So we get the cow pen, and that might be like a compaction layer that's one inch um, from the surface. So we get that kind of um, hard, tight layer. Or if we got uh, old plow pans, so that might be like four inches or six inches deep. Um, or are we seeing changes in pH or um, soil types that are preventing roots from actually moving through it. So um, I want to look at that and then I'm going to have a look at how water is moving through. Um, there's so many things. What does it smell like? Uh, for those of you that are more keen, what does it taste like? Mm-hmm. Um, 
yeah, are we seeing lots of activity, lots of burrows? We see um, like in semi-arid environments, you know, your termites and your ants are very important. Um, and areas that get higher rainfall, have you got worms, you know, and, and not only have you got worms, have you got a variety of different types of earthworms and are we seeing babies as well as adults? So, yeah, I just want to see that the system's really functioning, really alive. And uh, on many ranches, we're digging holes and, you know, it's almost like there's not a lot to talk about because these systems um, have just shut down. And I call them the um, constipated soils. If we think about soil in terms of it being a digestive system, these are the soils that are just locked up. So, you know, a lot of ranches are sitting on absolute gold mines of minerals, but they're not functional because the biological systems shut down. We've covered quite a bit of information, Nicole, today. And if someone's interested in knowing more, I know you've written a book, you have a website. What are those details? Yeah, so my website is www.integritysoils.co.nz, being that it's a New Zealand website. Um, And I actually have, we've just released a soil monitoring app called the Regen Platform. Um, And this app could be used by any producers. So the idea is that you can actually... Um, use this app out in the field and start to to benchmark and baseline changes for yourself because I find most people, one, they're not digging holes, <laughs> and two, we understand grasses but not necessarily grass health. So really looking at let's set those benchmarks, start digging holes um, and start really being able to show actually I am improving my resource or, whoa, holy crap, I'm going the wrong way, you know, and, and that's what that app was kind of developed so we can trend um, changes over time. So I'm really excited about that. So that's on the website. Um, my book is available on Amazon or Barnes & Noble. Um, it'd be really great if you just encourage your local bookstore to stock it. That would be awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can buy that off my, my website. And also it's available on acresusa.com. So if you've never heard of Acres USA, I really encourage people to sign up um, and get their magazines. Um, probably one of the best um, global magazines around um, soil health and production and, you know, thinking outside the box. So, yeah, that'd be my recommendations. All right. Well, thank you to my guest today, Nicole Masters, agroecologist and author, for joining me as we talk on soil health and soil management. Definitely a very foundational element to a productive ranch. By the way, I do want to pass along that if you'd like to make a trip up to Montana this summer, uh, the Rancher Stewardship Alliance is planning to host four workshops across the state starting around the end of June into the middle of July with Nicole. Also, she mentioned that there would be another event in Colorado. So a little closer for those of you in the southern part of the U.S., that event will be in July. You can find out more on her website. An easy way to find Nicole's website, just type in your web browser, search bar, your address bar, either or, Integrity Soils. Integrity Soils, type that in, and more than likely it's going to be the first one on your list of websites to choose from. Well, don't go far. We're going to come back. When we do, I'll give you an idea of what we're going to be talking about in next week's episode of the Working Ranch Podcast. Shh. Hear that? It's a quiet, easy-handling Hereford cow. That's right. No broken fences, no busted gates, no injured people. Herefords lead the way in the silent traits and fertility. Studies show they increase profitability by more than $51 per cow per year at the same time. That's real money and real results. Isn't it time for you to come home to Hereford? Learn more at Hereford.org. 
Welcome back to the Working Ranch Podcast. Justin Mills here. And before we leave today, I do want to let you know what is on the schedule for our next episode. Breeding longevity into your cows. Have we lost longevity in America's cow herd that is in turn limiting some long-term profitability? And then how does crossbreeding fit into this dilemma? We're going to talk with Rob Foreman of Trinity Farms out of Ellensburg, Washington, about this topic and then what they've done to create a sustainable program for their operation. So be sure to join us on our next episode of the Working Ranch Podcast. Thanks again to our guest today, Miss Nicole Masters. If you just search in your web browser under Integrity Soils, her website will come up there as your first choice. You can go and explore the app that she was talking about or find out more about her consulting services and workshops. Again, a thanks to the captain. Tim O'Byrne with his two cents and we are able to bring you this podcast because we have great sponsors like the American Simmental Association where research that is backed by the most extensively documented genetics and largest multi-breed database in the industry Sim Genetics is profit through science. Find out more at Simmental.org Other sponsors include the American Hereford Association and the North American Limousine Foundation This has been a production of of the Working Ranch magazine and if you have questions, ideas about the topics on the show, would like to get a hold of me, please do it. Give me a call or shoot me a text at the studio here at 307-363-COWS. That's 307-363-COWS or you can shoot me an email at justin.workingranch at gmail.com. Thanks again for joining me. I'm your host, Justin Mills and until next time, keep your chin down and your mind in the middle. So long. So long.